There we go. Good morning. Susan and I spent the last week in Salt Lake City, Utah, surrounded by the Mormon Church, Mormons and their institutions. And we got home last night about one o'clock in the morning. So if I ramble or am less coherent than usual, forgive me. But uh, it's a delight to be here this morning and back among uh, professing Christians. It's quite a challenge for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and other Christian missionaries in Utah because of the differences between Christianity and what the Mormons believe. So we spent a lot of the week talking with folks out there uh, about the challenges they face and how they attempt to evangelize for the Christian gospel to a, a group of wonderful people who are energetic and ethical and hardworking but unfortunately have taken a very uh, strange and wrong course theologically. So it was an interesting week and a, a great experience, but I'm very glad to be back among you and our friends here at St. Paul's on this Sunday, which is commonly referred to as Respect Life Sunday. So I thought this morning to focus a little bit on the themes of the sanctity of human life. Uh, we are a pro-life church, as you know, and it might be helpful as we reflect on all of this this morning to think a little bit about the scriptural foundations for our commitment to respect for the dignity and value of every human life, every human being made in the image of God as the scripture teaches us. And it's interesting that this morning, providentially, God has put together reminders, uh, you know, emphasis on this. First of all, we had the fifth commandment in the Decalogue that we recited this morning, thou shalt not commit any murder. The unjustified taking of human life is repulsive to God and deeply sinful. We also have our Nicene Creed, of course, which affirms that God is the maker and creator of all life. Uh, and then in the scriptures that we read this morning, we had the remarkable story of Elijah bringing back to life uh, the woman of Shunem's dead son. And how interesting that that's paralleled by the miracle recorded in the gospel as Jesus does the same thing for another widow who has lost her only son. And of course, the magnitude of that is emphasized by knowing how critical it would be to a widow with no husband to have a son to take care of her, help provide for her, help support her. So these tragedies that are recorded in scripture affirm how valuable those lives were and affirm the sovereignty of God over all human life. As Elijah prays to God to restore the soul and the life of that boy, God answers that prayer. As Jesus confronts this spectacle, this tragic episode of the woman and many mourning and grieving over her dead son, he also has the authority and the power miraculously to bring that, that young man back to life. So that's just a couple of scriptures, but we could go through many, many more. I'll share a couple with you. The prophet Jeremiah, said, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, and this is as God is calling him 
to be a prophet. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. The prophet Isaiah had a similar testimony. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples, from afar. In chapter 49 of Isaiah, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. Another example uh, is Psalm 139. In verse 13 of Psalm 139, it says, And we say, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. In Luke's gospel, we have the story of Elizabeth and being visited by Mary, pregnant with the Savior, our Lord Jesus. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. And as they greet each other, she says to Mary, the baby in my womb leaped with joy at your arrival. Genesis, go right back to the beginning. Genesis chapter two, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Job, in his torment and in his agony, declares the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. When St. Paul was in Athens talking to the geniuses, learned experts, philosophers of his day, he said to them, it's in God that we live and move and have our being. A couple of other things about this life theme. God abhors the shedding of innocent blood and murderous acts like the one that's so widely discussed today, unwarranted abortion. And he also abhors those who lie about what is really happening to advance their interests. In Proverbs, God says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. In the book of Revelation, it says, the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire. And if you have any other doubt about the sacredness of human life in God's sight, in Genesis chapter 9, God said, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be said. Shall be said. For in the image of God, he made man. Male and female, he created them in the image of God. So every human being is created in the image of God. 
Every human life is sacred to God from conception to the time of a natural death. And that's why all these issues of life and death hang together. Abortion, euthanasia, infanticide, murder, violence, sexual sins. All of these are corruptions of God's plan and they all are attacks on the word of God, on the integrity of scripture. You know, remember, what what was the first attack of Satan against God? Right in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, did God really say, you can't eat any of the fruit of the trees in the garden? A lie from the beginning, scripture teaches us, Satan is the father of all lies and a liar from the beginning. And God says, he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All who hate me love death. That's in Proverbs 8.36. All who hate God, all who reject God's word, ultimately are embracing death. And that's so evident on the very sad state of affairs with regard to abortion. Those who are advocating the regime of the law we have in Maine, where abortion is available without any meaningful limitations, restrictions, or protections. They're embracing death. And that's exactly what God says about people who reject his word, who hate him. All who hate me love death. But thanks be to God, we understand what God teaches us in his word. We're motivated to be faithful to it, to the best of our ability with God's help. And we know that if we follow God's word and trust in Jesus and his redemption for us, we have nothing to fear. We will not be among those who hate God and love death, but rather among those who celebrate and affirm life and the value of every human being, everyone made in the image of God. You and me, followers of Jesus Christ, gifted with that amazing, unspeakable gift of redemption, despite our shortcomings. That's really something to celebrate on Respect Life Sunday. And I pray that we all will celebrate that, embrace it, and take joy from it. Amen.